Hey everybody and welcome back to the One Wildlife Podcast. We are jumping into season three, which was actually due to be released in September of last year. Now, for anyone who follows Spend More Time in the Wild, you'll know that I was on Abbey Bikes Britain, cycling 2,000 miles from the north to the south of the country via every national park and their highest points. This was a 55-day journey and a huge success, but releasing season three of the pod proved to be just one thing too many. Anyway, so we're here today dropping with the show. Now, I've got an amazing lineup of guests from adventurers, freedivers, wellness coaches and holistic psychiatrists, environmental CEOs and more. And I hope that you will enjoy listening as new episodes air every other week on a Monday at 7am Greenwich Mean Time. Meanwhile, this show is kept completely ad-free as it's supported by my online community called Patreon. Now, I set up Patreon back in 2020 as a way to bring like-minded people across the globe together in one space and to support the growth of Wild. Anyone can access this platform and get involved in our exclusive events and community conversations, access giveaways, extra content, one-to-one coaching and more. If you head to patreon.com forward slash spend more time in the wild, you'll be able to find out everything that's going on there and get stuck in if it feels right for you. Right, let's get on with the show. Hey everybody and welcome to the One Wildlife Podcast with me, Abby Barnes. This is simply a show about life and as such there are no boundaries to where our conversations can take us. Along the way, we simply aim to inspire, empower, educate and uplift, exploring how we can all live our best lives every single day. Before we get started, I want to mention that this podcast is hosted by Spend More Time in the Wild, which I founded in 2016 to help individuals get outside for the benefit of mental and physical health. Over the last few years, the project has grown into a worldwide community of passionate and courageous individuals working together to enjoy the beauty of our wild spaces and protect them for generations to come. You can find out more about both the podcast and wild by visiting www.spendmoretimeinthewild.co.uk. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening or head on to YouTube to watch the full episode. Dave Shanks worked in the garment industry for many years, where he headed a textiles company that manufactured and distributed clothing brands across the world. Dave made frequent trips to India, Indonesia and China, and after seeing the horrific problems of waste pollution, he sought to combat the issue by creating a sustainable alternative to single-use plastic water bottles. Following this, he then developed a unique filter for the bottle, which he realized could provide clean and healthy water almost anywhere, whilst also reducing the environmental damage being done. This became the motivation for the establishment of water to go in 2010. Since then, the company has grown year on year and in a very short time has not only added distributors and retailers in over 50 countries worldwide, but also fostered partnerships with a large number of charities, ranging from Malaria No More UK to the African Wildlife Foundation. It's an incredible story, and I can't wait to dive in further today. So, Dave, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. How are you doing today? Yeah, good, thank you. It's been one of those strange days where nothing works on time, so I'm delighted that we've managed to get together and jump on the call. 
Yeah, it's really exciting to to have this opportunity to speak to you. I know you're a busy man as well, so it's uh, hopefully we can have a good conversation today. Um, right. So to kick things off, I'm 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 interested. You grew up in in Sunderland, if that's correct. Yeah. Um, and I'm really Chris, interested to to dive into your story. How did you end up initially working in the textiles industry? Um, it's a good question. I've got a degree in languages and politics and couldn't find a job. That's involved my languages. And I was, um, I went into uh, work in the uh, booze trade, working for a fine wines company. And then uh, one of the guys I trained there left to join Levi's, the jeans company, Levi Strauss. They called me up and said, look, Dave, there's a job in the Northeast. Uh, I've moved about since I uh, finished my degree. And he said, there's a job in the Northeast um, with um, Levi's. And I said, great. But I said, you know, I said, what's the job? He said, it's a sales rep. And I said, I've got a team of six people working for me. I'm traveling all over the country. Why would I want a job as a sales rep? He said, it's six grand and a car. And I said, get me the job. And that's how I started. That's how I started back. Um, well, that's how I started in the garment business. Initially as a sales rep in the Northeast. Um, gradually moved through to house accounts and Levi's um, moved me down south. And being in the garment business, saw the opportunity um, within Levi's. And they were setting up all these new divisions. Um, basically... I'm uh, trying to diversify, and I got pulled into one of the divisions. Uh, there was only six of us in Covent Garden, and that's when I moved from sales into product development. And then I eventually ended up uh, running my own business, doing the same thing, so sourcing um, products, not only for our ranges, we used to run a series of brands, but for the high street as well. So that's, that was it. Yeah. That's a good story, and thank you for sharing that. No so problem. as you, I guess, were developing products, you sort of traveled around the world. And I mentioned in the introduction there, you know, India, India Indonesia, China. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you you tell a story on, on the Water to Go website, actually, and we'll, we'll send people there in, in a short while, just about how, you know, you were going around the factory and it all looked really good. And then you sort of went out back and there was this football field sized pile of waste dye and just rubbish from the factory yeah, yeah. can you talk us through what that experience was like what were you feeling and was there any sort of conflicting emotions that you were experiencing at that time yeah very much so i mean i would grown growing up as you said earlier in sunderland with some beautiful pristine coastlines we had the the yorkshire dales in north uh, north yorkshire um, and the lake districts in striking distance so most weekends we were out with the family um, and going to somewhere like Mauritius, you expect, and that factory was in Mauritius, you expect it to be beautiful and pristine. And whilst, and there was definitely conflicting um, sentiment there because the guy who ran the factory was doing everything he could to make sure it was a really good factory. Um, the, I was doing an audit on behalf of a um, Japanese department store. And they were particularly keen on hand knitting and female empowerment and taking care of the environment. So when I ordered to the factory, everyone on the, on the shop floor, including the management, were all female, so a big tick for that. And the place was pristine inside, really, really good. 
And when I was walking around the factory, um, there was brakes announced and they brought out um, a third of a litre little mini bottles of water with the factory's name on a little white label on the front of it. Gave them to all the operatives to make sure they're all hydrated while they were working. So another big tick. Mm. All the bottles were collected. But whilst I was at the back supposedly auditing their um, plans or under how they disposed of the soiled water, because obviously like when you die at home, there's lots of dye steps in the water. Mm. and found that it just cascaded out of the back of the factory into this huge lake. The lady who collected the water bottles, plastic bottles, came out and dumped the same bottles in the lake. And I said Gosh. to the clients, look, what are you doing? He said, don't worry, Mr. Dave, the earth takes it away. And you think, oh, my God, you're on an island in the middle of the Indian Ocean. And I realised then he thought, he, he wasn't educated to think any differently just thought i'll just get rid of it out the back there um and ultimately that there was a juxtaposition of someone giving them a pat on the back for taking care of the staff and running a really nice factory to the fact that he was just destroying his own environment and the environment around him um and that's when it all started really you know you just thought right well everywhere and traveled you always, as a sort of foreigner, are given a bottle of water. They want yeah. you to be safe and healthy when you're travelling. And they know you won't drink the, the tap water. So um, on that particular trip, I've been to India, China, then to Indonesia and back into Mauritius. And everywhere, just became particularly aware of that trip. You know, you were constantly aware of it for years, but that one, that one trip, it was just in your face so much more that all these single-use plastic water bottles literally used them and they were thrown away. You know, if it was in the offices, they're in the bins. If it was out of the factory, they're in big plastic bags, or if that, if not just discarded. And um, sitting in Mauritius that night and, you know, wondering whether I could actually endorse the factory, just thinking about, well, what could I do? And it came up with the idea, well, if all of the water bottles were reusable, refillable, recyclable, you wouldn't need to have all these, you know, bottles. You would just use your own time and time and time again. Mm. But then having asked for a, a large gin and tonic and a glass of water at the bar, I was traveling on my own and, and that's, the, that's the law. Um, <laughs> the um, barman said, what's the water for? And I said, well, to drink. He said, no, you can't drink the water. That's why he said, well, it's not filtered. So, of course, then I realised no matter how good the concept of this reusable, refillable, recyclable water bottle is, if you get to the point where the water's no good, mm. you know, you've still got a problem. And that's when the whole concept and the whole idea of the filter started. Yeah. No, it's, um, it's uh, again, an incredible story, you know, and it's interesting to hear your thought process. You know, not everybody would see essentially an environmental disaster and want to combat that you know I think a lot of people end up very crushed in spirit and wanting to bury their heads in the sand and you know the the issue of marine debris um, you know with with more and more rubbish ending up in the oceans and single-use plastics just being so mainstream this is something that everybody needs to pay attention to this isn't just what's happening in certain places so Definitely. would you mind walking us through, like, what is the issue with single-use plastic? Can we dive into that for a moment? Yeah, of course, yeah. 
I mean, single-use plastics. I mean, f first of all, I'm, I'm glad you actually used the term single-use plastic. When I started this business 11 years ago, people didn't really understand what single-use plastic is. And I'm a believer that plastic itself is fantastic. I mean, we've developed a fantastic, um, long-lasting, lightweight, durable uh, material. Plastic isn't the problem. As I often say, we are the problem. You don't use your keyboard, uh, type one email and throw it away because it's plastic. Um, you don't use your sunglasses once and throw them away because they're plastic. You don't use your mobile phone and throw it away because you've used it once. But we're in, we've got this mindset where we believe that packaging for food and bottles are just um, discardable. You know, you just throw them away and it's just, that's the problem. So given the fact that plastic doesn't biodegrade, at best it photodegrades in the, in, the right, in the right scenario, but it'll take 500 years to, to start to degrade. So if you think about it, unless it's been incinerated, every single piece of plastic that we've made since the 50s is still on the planet. So, I mean, you know, you just, I mean, I, I go through things. I work with a lovely lady called Jo Hendricks. Um, um, she, and she basically is, um, advises hotels and hotel chains on uh, cutting down single-use plastics. Mm. And she's got this big thing about single-use plastics, uh, like forks, spoons, um, toothbrushes that you throw away and all this type of stuff. And bottles basically are the most visible. They're the biggest ones. And we get through billions and billions and billions of these things. Um, and I won't quote any numbers, but it's just it's just absolutely scandalous. And, and the problem is at home, you know, here in the UK, we think, oh, it's okay. Most of it gets recycled. Well, that's just not the truth. I mean, I was at a conference last year talking to a chap about uh, recycling plastic water bottles and I was asking him put them on the spot I said well what percentage yeah. when I use my domestic um, uh, recycling bin and you guys come across and take it away what percentage of that does get recycled we said it's quite high and I said well, no can you give me a figure it's less less than 40 percent and, and 40 percent is great if we can get a 40 percent that's a real big step and so what, what happens to the rest of it? And he sort of gets sent off elsewhere. And this elsewhere just rings alarm bells for me. Yeah. <laughs> so there's 60% plus that's not used in the UK for going to recycle plastics. It's actually shipped to India Gosh. and hand sorted. There are mountains of plastic, with ladies and kids climbing all over them, trying to find the best bits of plastic so they can be reused. The ones that aren't usable get put into landfill. Mm. So not only have we shipped it halfway around the world using vital fossil fuels that we, we need to maintain, we then bury it in India. It's mm. just a nonsense. So the, the whole concept of using, buying a bottle, and then reusing it. I mean, you know, our filters will eliminate 
uh, up to 450 centiliters single use plastic water bottles, just one filter. So, you know, you can start to make a difference. And, and you said at the top of this part of the conversation about people sometimes burying their heads. I think if we all do that, we unfortunately, the people who love going outdoors, the people who love going for walks, it's happening everywhere. I mean, you know, um, on that one particular trip, I was in Hong Kong, managed to get a couple of days R&R, &R, and I went up to Aberdeen. Aberdeen's a, a wonderful sort of um, posh yachting place, especially posh when you come from Sunderland. <laughs> anything, anything with big boats in is posh to me. Um, and uh, when, when I first was going out there, God knows how many years, 20, 25 years ago, it was beautiful, pristine, and it was seen as like the, one of the landmark places. You go there now and there are still the very, very smart boats. Mm. But in between them is just this mass of sieves and plastic, plastic bags, plastic bottles. And, you know, it, it's, we're going to ruin the planet if we don't really, really wake up. You know, I mean, you know, we go walking here. I live in Hertfordshire now. Um, and we go walking here. And it's just incredible, you know, walking through the woods in the France, there's loads of single-use plastic just junked, mm. you know. And, and we, you know, we do our best to pick stuff up when we're walking about. And you've got to make that effort. But it's just, if we want to have the great, lovely outdoors we have for all the well-being and everything, I don't want to be going out into the outdoors and getting stressed about how we're ruining it. I want to be going out marvelling, and bloody marvellous it is. You know, that, that's yeah. the big difference, you know, but and not everyone. I mean, I certainly didn't imagine sitting in that bar with my gin and tonic in Mauritius that 11 years later I'd be sort of running a, um, an all-encompassing and it has become my entire life. Um, this was supposed to be sort of like a little retirement plan where I could, you know, <laughs> piddle about. Um, but I've been in this now, I don't know, it's 11 years I've been in it full time for the last seven, I think, seven and a half, given up all the other businesses and just closed everything down to concentrate on this. But it's, there are times when you talk to somebody like yourself and they get it, mm. they understand. There are other times you might as well be talking to a wall. People just don't understand the damage we're doing. You know, we had the, the local village horse show last weekend and um because of covid and everything the larger restrictions um and it's just the amount of bottles fanta coke water bottles yeah but at the end of the evening we're clearing away at the end of the event and we put, we put signs of you know please you know take care of, of the environment take your plastic away with the blah 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 and 80 percent of the people just don't give a damn that's the problem mm. that's the problem no i think you're oh, you're just heartless it's just tragic like quite frankly it leaves yeah. me speechless and really quite emotional the the situation you know and i know we're talking a lot about plastic bottles and plastic but you know right now what with covid we've got all these single-use masks as well and mm -hmm. um the the statistics the estimates of the number of masks that are going to be in our ocean by the end of this year and it's it's absolutely terrifying well it's, it's scandalous you know it it, it's something which again is relatively easy mm. to to like um you know biodegrade if we can find a mechanism for actually you know getting rid of them i mean the washable ones you know the the, the cloth 
vest masks look great because people yeah. reuse and reuse. The blue ones, the pale ones, I mean, you see them in the street. You see, you know, right, there was a bit, yeah, they are everywhere. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's, you know, it brings to, to mind a question <laughs> as to this, this problem, this, this massive problem that the world is facing. Would you say that this is a problem that needs to be tackled bottom up or top down? I think it's a mix of the two things. I mean, you know, I, I, I spoke um, three years ago now at the World Travel Market and a lady said, you know, we can't do anything as individuals. And I said, well, if we all take that attitude, we'll never do anything. Mm. I think from the bottom up, each person, whether it's my water bottles or someone else's water bottles or buying a stainless steel bottle, and stop buying single-use plastics. Make your decision as a consumer um, have its impact. That, that one decision has an impact immediately. You stop having to buy single-use um, bottles. I mean, we berate the local little mini supermarket. He's a lovely guy, but of course he gets everything pre-packed. Yeah. And he said, I can't change anything, Dave. And I said, well, you know, you've got to try. Yes, we could do more um, with the government stepping in and trying to support us. Uh, that would be brilliant. Um, but I think unless we can actually show that demand is changing, yeah. um, you know, for example, I mean, everybody now, you know, the whole thing about sing, uh, the polybags at supermarkets, yeah. it, it's, it's almost like, you're pilloried if you don't take your own bags and, and we we need to start that type of thing you know we need to be like going at the supermarkets and the corner shops and demanding that the tonic water you put in your, in your gin is is in a glass bottle yeah. um, it doesn't need to be in a plastic bottle it doesn't need to be thrown away and we shouldn't have to start thinking about how we write, recycle things. But mm. if we have to think about how we recycle things, we've got to do it you know, with help. Um, you know, we, where we are now, we relocated the head office and distribution centre um, about a year ago. Yeah, it's a year, year this week, actually. Um, to in, again, in Hertfordshire. So we're on a farm where all the old buildings are being uh, repurposed. But we moved there because it has its own boreholes, so we're off the grid for water, which is great because we That's can good. filter our own. Um, but it's got, it's, it's got its own solar power. And being on a farm, it's um, a nice environment to work in. Um, but there, we have specifically worked with a local company called Corley's, who run a program called Infinity. And when they come and pick up our um, uh, waste from the unit, we separate everything out. So, yes, we do have some kind of um, bags that, we, that come in and packaging to protect stuff from um, moisture when it's traveling. Mm. So all those are bagged up um, and they're put in. And then all our cardboard is then kept separately. So we, 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 and they come and collect weekly to ensure that everything we are recycling is recycled properly, yeah. rather than just putting this great big, you know, hope, hope for hope, you know, like, punt, I'll put it in the recycling thing, I hope it gets recycled. Well, these, you know, they're, they're paid heavily to come and do it properly. So, um, but I think 
Yeah, it's 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 bottom up. Individuals have got to start making um, decisions on their own. Um, if we value the countryside, we value the outdoors. We've got to start protecting it better. Um, but then again, I think we can um, by showing change in consumer appetite and, and requirements that will prompt in its own um, uh, reaction further up the chain as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's that classic vote with your note, isn't it? And um, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You know, it's, I think a lot about, you know, almost overnight, the laws were changed from smoking inside to only outside in public places. Yeah. And, you know, if we can do it with something that is so widespread, you know, as, as smoking, surely we can do it with plastic. Um, yes. you know, obviously, it's going to put companies out, it's going to be a massive headache for supermarkets, but th there has to be some shift rather urgently, I feel at least, um, within the way that society is functioning, as you say, from bottom up and top down, literally the way that we're living, um, you know, companies need to be held accountable to um, repairing systems. And we should look at repairing before throwing away and buying new. And yeah, um, definitely. Yeah, the plastic is, is just one of the things when we look at electrical goods, it's, it's just widespread. And it's, um, yeah, big big thing to be tackled so let's dive into water to go then what is your yeah. mission what are you guys up to um so our mission okay well that mission uh changed very shortly after we developed the filters so basically the the mission of the bit of the business um uh, is not to make me loads of money and retire <laughs> oh that would be nice <laughs> um no the whole concept is our technology um because we, we basically come up with a filter that combines different technologies into one membrane. So the filter will take uh, microbiological contaminants like bugs and um, protozoa and cysts, but even viruses out of the water, take out chemicals. So not only is it perfect for when you're outdoors, when you're traveling, but in the developing world, that is a crucial function, you know, giving, giving clean, safe drinking water. So the overall um, mission of the business is to create a strong, fundamentally commercially successful business here. Mm. That will get us to critical mass. Like in any manufa manufacturing operation, we make our own filters. So when we get to a certain level, the price level on our filters, uh, because we're doing so many, will vastly reduce. Mm. And we've got a plan that in the developing world, we find specific strategic partners. And in the developing world, I'm talking about the Indian subcontinent, Africa, Latin America. And with a certain amount of domestic manufacturing. So, for example, as long as they make it with the materials we've selected, we could allow them to make the bottles. We could allow them to make the packaging. And this, the food-grade silicon bands we used for branding, they can make those domestically as well. Now that gives us two or three benefits. One, instead of me shipping bottles around the world, which grates against me in, in as much as you're shipping air a lot of the time. Yeah. And we're always trying to change our carbon footprint. Um, two, the import duty just on the filters and lids, where the technology is, um, would be far, far less. So we're cutting down on freight, we're cutting down on import duties, we're cutting down on freight, as I said, and then um, by creating jobs 
um, domestically we get benefits for the distributor to be you know tax breaks and whatever so those the combination of those things there will basically allow the product to be sold at far lower prices mm. and in the developing world that will mean we can get it to the, into the hands of the people who need it but it's step by step at the minute um, we're not big enough and strong enough yet to do that hence why i spend a lot of my time courting um, that's a good old-fashioned word uh, <laughs> courting um uh charities and ngos um just about to sign an agreement supporting um, a charity which is helping rangers in africa um, by getting bottles to them because they're off for four and five days uh, making sure our, our wild spaces and our wildlife are protected if they fall ill through drinking dirty water, they can't do the job. We've worked with the Hunger Project, whose aim is to ban extreme hunger by 2030, one of the UN sustainability goals. Um, we uh, have um, worked with Malaria No More uh, to try and help support them in their quest to reduce malaria. And that's all signs of my impatience. Um, I'm not a very patient man and to to try and help in those areas to try and help i mean we work with fantastic travel companies people like wild frontiers where we've helped them with uh, plastic pickup um, um, in the uh, trekking um, trails in pakistan we've worked with journey latin america about um, supporting cultural um, uh, support um, so the, the long-term aim is to get the business big enough so that we can afford to support those projects ourselves. Um, wow. And it, we're getting there, as you mentioned at the top of the, the interview, you know, we're in 50 odd countries now. Um, we're heads of agreement for our first major distribution deal in Africa, which we were there about two years ago, but COVID's pulled us back. Um, but we work with charities like Just a Drop as well. Um, Just a Drop um, are like a, a cooler version of WaterAid, and they do some really, really good stuff on the ground. Um, uh, um, they're very good at taking cash and spending it on specific water projects, which resonates with us, obviously. Yeah, so that, that's the, that's the long-term aim. Um, Short-term aim is um, sell my bottles, um, sell the filters, uh, increase the distribution to give us that good sound financial footing. Well, it's, it's absolutely admirable what you guys are doing, tackling two of the, the biggest issues on planet Earth from uh, poverty yeah, yeah. Um, and, and, and waste production. So that's, um, well, it's incredible, actually. So, you know, the, many of our listeners are, are people, you know, just like you and I, who love to access the outdoors, as you said, um, but that people have used these bottles all around the world from the Amazon River yeah, and, yeah. and wherever they are adventuring on major expeditions or smaller ones. How do the water filters work then? Um, and how can we how can we use those when we're out and about on the trails? OK, OK. Simple terms. Think of a filter like a fishing net. I used to have as a kid, you saw fishing for tiddlers in, in the streams and as I did in Sunderland. Um, the smaller the holes in the filter, 
the more it catches, or the smaller the holes in the net, the more it catches. It's the same with a the filter. There are tiny pores, like the pores on your skin. The water flows through those. The smaller those pores are, the more we can stop. So that's called mechanical filtration. So the pores in our filters are less than two microns. So that's two one thousandths of a width of the width of a hair on your head. Really, really small. So things like bacteria, protozoa, cysts, things like people have heard of Giardia, Cryptosporidium, people get really poorly when they've been outdoors and drunk mm. unfiltered water. They're already um, big enough so that the pore size in itself um, can filter those out. We then add in another technology, which in simple terms acts like a magnet inside the membrane um attracting and trapping even smaller particles so london school of hygiene and tropical medicine had us filtering even something as small as polio virus at 99.98 percent so our filters will take out typhus and cholera out of the water Um, and there's not much in sunderland but you know elsewhere (laughs) there's lots of things like that (laughs) and the nice thing is we've also incorporated into the membrane Activated carbon. Now, activated carbon is like you'll get in your domestic Brita filter. Uh, we use it in a different way, and we only say that the carbon in our filters will remove the taste and the smell. So um, it's 100% efficient because it's not uh, in a block. It's actually with, loose within the membrane. So not only will the filter take out anything harmful, including chemicals, it'll take out chlorine and fluoride out of your tap water or heavy metals. If you're traveling to India, Sri Lanka, uh, it'll take out things that naturally occurring arsenic uh, to over 99%. It'll take out cadmium, which um, we did a project with Ian Broth, both and the cricketer. Must be a good five years ago now. And he specifically was trying to raise funds and awareness uh, for school children in Sri Lanka, um, where the cadmium in the water sources and in, in, in the pipes um, was basically giving the school children stomach ulcers. So um, wow. the filters will take stuff out, uh, you know, basically take everything out mm-hmm. and the water will taste um, and smell perfect. I mean, it, it does, it's, it's, you don't realize what water is supposed to taste like. I mean, even bottled water because it comes from the mountains, whatever. Each has a different, slightly different taste. Um, but Ash Dykes, the um, mad Welshman, uh, uh, extreme athlete and adventurer who we deal with, who was the first human to walk the length of the Yangtze River in China and has it all documented. He's the Guinness World Record holder. He took water from the Yangtze, from the source in the mountains, which he said was absolutely gorgeous and clean and everything down all the way down to Shanghai. And he said, Dave, to be honest, and no BS, I couldn't taste the difference when I got down into industrial areas. Um, so it's, it's, it, they work really, really well. Um, mm. You know, I can't take, I, I didn't do anything, any of the development. I, I've got a very good um, you know, t- production team who've helped to yeah, develop the filter. Mm. Um, so, um, yeah, so the, the, the basically that's how it works, combining three technologies. 
Think of it a bit like a smartphone. In the old days, you had your Nokia, which you could, you, you could make, it would do one thing quite well. Mm. And then people came out like Samsung and Apple with all these latest technologies and bolted them on top so that now your phone can take videos and you know, do all these special things, um, access the internet. Well, that's the same in technology and filters. Mm. We've just basically combined lots of di different technologies instead of into a phone, into one filter. Mm. So it does all, all the jobs that you would expect a filter to do. Yeah. Quite a science developing that, though, I can imagine. A few, yes, yeah. few tests and I, needed. And we, oh, God, yeah. <laughs> yeah, after the development of self-testing has been one of the most expensive things we've done. You know, so, uh, yeah, but we tested in London, London School of Hygiene Tropical Medicine, although they don't do commercial testing anymore. Um, okay. BCS, one of the big labs in the States that the US government uses. Mm. Um, Bangalore Test House, we actually took raw well water um, in India and filtered it there um, and IMI one of the big um, internationally recognized labs in Shanghai and they've all tested our bottles and all, all tested the filters so it's proven to um, filter out up to 99.9999% of uh, microbiological contaminants so um, pretty much as good as it gets isn't it really yeah i mean to be honest there's always somebody that shows us dave what about that 0.0 so well hang on a second you've just wiped it your mouth with your hand yeah there's enough bacteria on there that, that would actually be more than that 0 0.00 you know we, we we are very good as humans of controlling um a little bit of um, contamination in our mm. systems it's when we get overloaded that's a problem um so these bottles will take any water apart mm. from sea water um and the day i do retire as a multimillionaire will be that when <laughs> i can do everything else and sea water um, <laughs> no, that'll never happen but um you know it's the holy grail to be yeah. able to have a handheld unit which can uh, do um sea water as well salt water yeah yeah um, but um, yeah, it's a really good technology and we constantly are looking at how we can improve and what we can do to amend things and make them, um, we're looking at the moment at upscaling the technology, which is very difficult because you can imagine the more pressure you put on the filter, it's got to be robust enough to take the pressure and do the filtration. Mm. So we're, we're spending silly amounts at the moment looking how we upscale because i'd love to be able to get to a point where we could do village wells and we could do um, you know i mean we, we work a lot in the travel industry and yes whilst these are really nice robust water bottles when you're in a very smart restaurant you may not want them all across the tables or certainly the restaurant manager might not want them so we're looking at jugs and um, uh, tabletop things but ultimately it's the development can happen again once we get this critical mass. Now, I didn't think it would take us 11 years, but there again, I didn't think we'd be in 50 odd countries. I didn't think two years ago we'd, you know, thought that wind would have been taken out of ourselves by COVID. But, mm. you know, the, the product development's been put a little bit on the back burner. But mm. our key thing is at the moment build up the distribution, um, each individual country. Um, doing the bottles 
and building the awareness because the awareness of the product by definition is part educational. If people understand the requirement for a bottle with a filter in, they know there's a reason for that. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, and um, if we can get that, um, the two things running in tandem, that'll be brilliant. Yeah. It's funny. I was going to ask about upscaling actually, like whether you guys were considering how you could, you know, do things that, that reach communities per filter. Yeah. But um, I've got a bottle here, actually. Ta-da. All right, uh, great. <laughs> how long do the, the filters last in these things then? Oh, you've seen, you've still, I've just spotted, you've still got the old lid. We must it get is an old lid. lid, yeah. Yeah, no, the, 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 the lids we've got now, um, we, again, just it's part and parcel of the development. We work with a lot of ambassadors who use the bottles in really extreme circumstances, so they give us feedback. Um, so we, we, we've developed a new lid now, in fact, that's mine there, so oh, it's like got, a sports one. yeah, but yeah, key thing is, if you listen, it clicks really? into place, so it locks, and more importantly, this part here keep, keeps your um, spout completely hygienically clean, and on top of that, this little part here comes down and locks off the breather valve. So that means there's no way that anything can escape from the bottle. So, huh? Yeah, I'm wondering. Yeah. I'm just. I'm just thinking here. We've um, obviously we spend more time in the wild. We travel a lot and do a lot of um, filming around the world on different trails and things. And we've got a big expedition. Um, in fact, when this is going live, we'll be on it, um, cycling from Jana Great to Land's End via each national park. Um, right. hiking to the highest point and i'm just wondering like those those look like good cycling bottles so maybe we could put one to the test across the well, uk the, well this yeah well this <laughs> one was actually launched we call it the active ball it was launched and just as we went into covid and it's it was a, a mixed blessing really because we thought oh my god it's the wrong time but because so many people have taken up cycling mm. and so many people who are doing staycations We've, that bottle now is our bestseller. It's selling so, so well to the point where next month I'm launching, that's a 75 centiliter. I'm launching a six, 60 centiliter bottle. Okay, cool. Which fit in, uh, fits into a mount, mountain bike cage as well. Nice. So, yeah, so we'll get you sorted out with new bottles for, for you. Yeah, that they fit perfectly on, on, on the bikes, on Love the bike it. cage, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, but that's another way we can build the offer without actually meddling or having to upscale the, the, the filtration for the moment. You know, so. mm. No, it's, uh, it's really interesting. I'm, I'm so excited. I mean, I've been following along with you guys, with what you guys have been doing for a long time, but I'm, I'm really excited to see where you're going, especially as we're coming out of the throes of COVID and everyone's yes. sort of like, right, yeah. what were we doing before all this? <laughs> no, that's it. I mean, it's, it's really encouraging because as I said earlier, we, we work with some really, really good um, travel companies. Mm. Um, and it's great when people like Explore and Wild Frontiers and Journey Latin America mm. turn around and say, we understand that, we understand we've got to stop giving out single-use plastic, and they're now using versions of our bottles. But last year, we got a break, and we're starting to work with Kuoni now. And God bless them, because they're just around the corner from me, Tui. Um, we supply bottles to... Kenya, uh, Cuba, and Costa Rica just before lockdown, where they're saying that they're so concerned about the domestic situation with single-use plastics mm. you know, polluting the environment that uh, each traveller was getting a bottle. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's the start. We can just see 
the post-COVID waves coming through now, uh, and God willing. But it's important, again, you, you talked about bottom up and top down. Um, if we can get some of the big corporates to change their attitude, yeah. uh, and that, that helps immensely. I mean, when you look at people like Riviera Trouble, with over 100,000 um, um, travellers a year going with them, that makes a massive difference if they're all first of all the awareness but secondly then the implications of them using the bottle what impact that will have mm. so i sound like an evangelist i don't mean to <laughs> well i think it's not the worst i'm a normal serious guy you know there isn't there is a funny side of me honestly yeah. <laughs> oh brilliant no so as we begin to take steps to to wrapping this up I'd, I'd actually like to just dive into a little bit more of the bottles themselves um, yeah, sure. so i have two questions which i'm going to sort of ask back to back so the first question is is the plastic from a recycled source or is it sort of is it freshly made is it virgin and the yeah. second is how do your bottles differ from something like the soya micro squeeze which i'm sure a lot of people use who you know hike or the life straw where do they sit yeah. amongst all of this Okay, well, first of all, um, and it's a real bugbear of mine, uh, the our bottles are proudly made of virgin plastic. Mm. Um, the reason is I cannot get uh, a provenance certificate for any of the major um, people who could supply us with recycled plastic, because ultimately, when you look at recycling plastic, you can imagine all the plastic comes from different um, areas. Mm. It could be something that's been used in the industry. It could be something that's had hazardous um, chemicals in it. So they are loath to give a provenance certificate, which actually says that this um, is 100% clean and BPA-free. Mm. So the BPAs are the man-made estrogens we put into plastic or have done it put into plastic, um, supposedly to make it malleable. Um, but that's what happens when you hear these horror stories about bottles in the sun where the BPAs start leaching into the water. And more importantly, the thing that people forget, they actually pass on to the palm of your hand, hand and you absorb them through, oh, through your skin. That. Gosh. So until such time as I can get a, uh, a proper certificate, and when we do this, we do research um, right the way through all the steps of our manufacture. And one of the things very, very quickly, we were trying to launch in Malaysia um, and the guy came back and said, I love your product. He said, but we're a Muslim company, country and I can't, when you say about activated carbon, unless you can tell me it's not um, any animals in it. So I went back and did my research, activated carbon like you know, get a normal carbon block filter, comes from either burning vegetation or animal carcasses. Wow. So if it's animal carcasses, it could be pee, yeah. and therefore it has implications for lots of different faiths across the world. So we actually, wow. we've actually gone the step of being fully halal certified, so that um, our activated carbon, we've got a um, provenance certificate right back to source. We only um, use carbons um, taken from coconut husks. Wow. So, you know, it's that type of thing. So when it comes to recycled plastic, unless somebody can give me chapter and verse and a certificate to say, one, it's good plastic, two, it's BPA-free, until that time, I won't, I won't use it. Mm. 
Mm. Uh, we are looking, um, we are looking at the moment, and this is quite hot off the press, uh, at alternatives. Um, there's a lot of development miles away from the Amazon, but in southern Brazil, um, where they're looking at big reforestation projects using sugarcane. Okay. And there's one com big industrial company out there who are starting to get, when you separate the sugar cane to take the sugar out, um, you can separate the um, uh, various different components. And we've worked away, or they've worked away, of developing the raw material, which comes that creates plastic from the sugar cane. Now, if you think that stops using fossil fuels. Secondly, the forests and the sugarcane can be replanted and grow again in 100 days. Wow. It's job creation, it's reforestation, yeah, it's yeah. cutting down and using fossil fuels. But at the moment, again, we want to desperately get onto that as quickly as possible. But the source of supply is very erratic. But okay. I believe that by probably summer 2022 we'll have bottles in our range made from sugarcane um, uh, byproducts that's very and impressive it works this it works exactly the same as standard plastic uh, you still have to recycle it but it'll be a reusable dishwasher safe uh, water bottle but that hasn't used any fossil fuels at all and uh, the provenance of it would be that you know the forests it's helping reforestation so so all those things. So yes, sorry, com um, competitors. Um, I won't decry any of the competitors, but what I would always ask um, people if they're checking out bottles, um, if you're going out to buy a product, you want that product to do everything you would expect it to do. Yeah. You don't go up to buy a brand new car and just as the salesman's giving you the keys, he said, oh, Dave, don't use the car when it's wet or rainy because it's not really designed for that. Yeah. Right, okay, yeah, okay. So if somebody is looking for a water filter, think of it that that should be the only water filter you need. Mm -hmm. So it should do things like viruses, which are not the other ones, don't <laughs> um, <it's, laughs> It should be able to take out chemicals and pesticides. So if somebody's dumped a load of stuff when you try a perfect example is we were talking to some guys who were um uh, they were in the stands i can't remember which stand they were in uzbekistan i think and they said that they've been using our bottles they had a lodge uh, there was a stream run past the lodge and stop me if i'm rumbling by the way please no i'm this is all <laughs> absolutely fascinating i'm quite rumbled, uh, i have to be honest <laughs> they, they were cartographers and they were mapping out all the different areas and the walks and specifically the streams and they've been in, in this place for about 10 days and they actually went up and traced all the way up to the top of the stream and not only did they find a rotting goat at the head of the screen, but do. there was a massive plastic um, thing which they said looked as if it had been full of oil or something. Oh, gosh. Now they've been drinking the water from that stream, so and and were right as rain. So I always think that you should check out what you think your filter, the filter you're using. Yes, some people might think it's a little bit over the top to take out viruses, but. Wouldn't you prefer to know that you could? Yeah. Um, 
I mean, not everybody uses 999 on the phone, mm. um, but isn't it a nice peace of mind to know that? No, and the odd occasion you might have to, that yeah. you wouldn't have to go and get another phone just specifically for that occasion. Yeah. So, yeah, um, I've tried, or we've tried, my team's very, very um, pushy to get it every single contaminant that could be harmful to you um, reduced if not filtered out to over 99.9 percent so um, so that's what i would say there's some very good com uh, competitors out there mm. i would say the the lifesaver mm. another uk company fantastic but it's probably got different applications that their, their main strength i think is in disaster relief um, okay that sounds about um, right. but you know over, over the years we will build into that mm. um but in terms of portable um lightweight practical um and that does everything you would need it to do i don't think you'll find much in the marketplace I'll, well I, I know you wouldn't find much in the marketplace <laughs> that would beat us That's a confidence it. own it own it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well i can say i've certainly had a fair few adventures with my boss also it's been a it's been a fantastic thing to have alongside me so okay final question then before we jump into yeah. our quick fire which we wrap up quick fire round, with. Yeah. that's yeah. it um, we've talked a lot about plastic we've talked a lot about general waste production we've talked about bottom up and top down Let's leave the listeners with some practical advice about what they can do to um, sort of look at their environmental impact from a day-to-day -day point of view. And also, where can they find your bottles? All right. Okay. Well, first, first bit, I would just say, just become aware that probably our generation and the last two before it have been the ones that will be remembered by the youngsters as having really messed up um, the environment. Mm. It's not a nice thought, but people in the years to come will think, well, did they not think, you know? I mean, and there are, there are times when you just need average you know, day-to-day life, you're doing something and you think, God, has that person not think about what, thought about what they're doing? And that's what we're doing with the environment, you know, ultimately, um, until such time as we can go back out um, and, walk in the countryside and not be disconcerted by the amount of rubbish there is um, until we can go on holiday. I mean, I, I always use the same thing when I'm presenting the travel industry. I show a beautiful, um, pristine picture of a lake in Thailand. Yeah. And I, then I show um, a picture of a guy in a flat bottom boat trying to navigate his way through a sea of waste plastic. Mm. So each person's got to start um, thinking about what they're doing. And it's everything. It's not just water bottles. It's like, you know, I mean, um, this weekend um, we, we're doing a bit of work in the garden. So, I mean, simple, simple things like pick free compost. Mm. What are you going to do with the bag when you finish? You know, they're all in sort of heavy duty plastic bags. So what are you going to do with that? Um, I try, I mean, it's a tiny little garden, but I try to grow some of my own vegetables. And it's completely organic, which is which is it means half of it fails. But um, <laughs> I just refuse to put chemicals. We can we it. can testify to that as well. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they say slugs, slugs and snails are our friends. I've yet to see one say, "Hey, David, you're a nice guy. I'm not going to eat all this stuff you're growing." Yeah. But um, yeah, so I think it's just you know individual choices. Um, you know, if if you can make those choices and. It, and, and People shouldn't think, oh, my God, I'm doing something terrible. 
we can't be good all the time, you mm. know, but just a, any little help is, is a step in the right direction. Mm. You can't make a house without putting one brick down first. You know, you may not be able to supply all the bricks to build your house, but, you know, if you can help, or you might be able to sort of get um, a thought process where you're actually thinking about what you're doing. Mm. That's, that's just the start. That's, that's the start. If we all could do that, that would make a massive difference. Yeah. That's it. Every every little bit helps, doesn't it? And yeah. where can people find out more about what you guys are doing with Water to Go? Okay. Well, the, the website is www. Uh, there's a lovely Michael McIntyre sketch about uh, repeating that. But anyway, <laughs> water to go, W A T E R T O G O, all one word, dot EU. We managed to preserve the dot EU domain uh, with it great um pressure after brexit but uh, yeah uh, or dot org and uh, both takes you to and no matter, no matter where you are in the world it'll take you to one of our 16 websites now wow um and they all look mostly the same um but um, we've got to geolocate so if, if you're traveling and if you were to run out of filters you would there should be somewhere uh, quite close by we can get you repeat filters too um, and that'll tell you everything about us and what we do all the testings on there i'm very proud that we've actually agreed and paid extra with all of the testing companies to be allowed to publish because a lot of this is done they will give you um the testing results but you're not allowed to publish it mm. so with um, bcs in, in florida um they allow us to publish all the results on the website and then there's loads of stuff about who's used the bottles where, where they use um and on the hot well you can get them at amazon obviously you can get anything on amazon um <laughs> not, that not that i'm plugging amazon but um um and then um on the high street um outdoor stores blacks millets go outdoors uh, rohan the travel stores all stock our product uh, if they haven't got in in the store, Rohan in particular, they can order it in 24 hours. Uh, we're still present, I believe, on boots.com. Uh, we were in a lot of the stores, but basically uh, it's very difficult to uh, keep your presence in a retailer like Boots because mm -hmm. they treat everybody like a cosmetics and you've got to do two for ones and buy one get one free and it's we, we just can't we're not big yeah. enough to do that yeah yeah well wherever we are seems we're not far from a water to go bottle so I like that's that. true that's, that's a very true. nice way to wrap this up <laughs> no i love everything you guys are doing and um it's it's just been awesome to have this opportunity to dive in a little bit deeper it's a pleasure so now we're gonna we're gonna take a little step back and jump into our 10 quick fire questions are you ready okay i'm ready <laughs> all right so first question well what was was words what was the last book that you read and loved i'm not a great reader um, um it's probably the hardback of uh, june by dino de Laurentiis. okay well, what is that about it's um science fiction i'm a bit of a sign uh, i love I love, I love what I call, what the family call, brain dead stuff. I can just switch <laughs> off to. So I love a good science fiction movie. Uh, when I was with Levi's, um, they used to theme all of the um, product launches. And there was one themed around the movie, uh, June. 
and and I've kept the CD of that, much to my wife's chagrin, um, <laughs> and watch it every time I get somewhat fed up or need a bit of inspiration. I don't know why that film does it. So that's probably the last book I read, I think. I like that. That is it's very good to have those brain off times for sure. Yeah. Question number two, are you a morning or an evening person? Um, probably an evening person. Um, okay. um, my wife's um, a morning person. She likes getting up really early um, yeah. and then disappears like 9, 9.30. And then I can sometimes spend a little bit of time. Um, the downside of expanding the distribution side is that everybody's on different time um, um, slots, especially mm. the Americans and the Canadians are one side and the offices in Thailand and, and China and the other. So, yeah, but um, yeah, it's like 9.30, 10.30 is my catch up. And then I always try to have some of this 30 minutes without screens before I settle mm. down. That's good. Nice one. Okay, question number three. It's a pretty serious one. If you okay. were reincarnated as an ice cream flavour, what flavour would you be? Oh, it has to be vanilla. I love vanilla ice cream. Right, but it's got to be the fun. really, really, really strong tasting vanilla stuff. Yeah. Time to get on holiday. Um, yeah, good gelato. Which, yeah, it always, <laughs> always tastes twice as strong as anything you get here. So. That's it. Very good. Um, what did you want to be when you were growing up? A priest. Um, I was... Um, studying in, in a Jesuit uh, school in the wow. northeast and um, yeah I was I always thought I had the calling and um, probably about 15 16 as things started having to my body realized that what a challenge it would be and I take my hat off to those guys who can um, a Catholic priests you know without partners is uh, I just can't can't believe how good those guys can be the good ones yeah (laughs) geez i could dive into that in a whole other um episode to be honest i'm a big believer in in faith-led work and and living so that's uh that's very interesting actually okay next question um what is your most unusual talent unusual talent (laughs) um that could take me a long time to find something i can do reasonably (laughs) People I'm come up with all sorts of things. I'm good, I'm good at temping bowling. Okay, to, that's good. Yeah, I, I used but... to bowl for Sunderland Juniors, and I'm bow, I bowled when I was. Um, I'm of the age group who um, um, remembers what a polytechnic was, and I used to um, bowl for the British Polys. That's very so good. So, as a hidden talent, or and obviously my languages, I'm a linguist by profession. So, how many um, languages I, can you speak? Uh, fluently Spanish and French, a little bit of Italian, and uh, enough Chinese to insult or get me in a gin and tonic. <laughs> I love your focus. <laughs> yeah, gin and tonic is very, very prevalent in each of those languages. It seems to be. Well, that's good. At least you know <laughs> your tonica, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, I love this. That's, that's fantastic. Um, okay, next question. Uh, who has inspired you the most in your life? Um... That would probably be a guy who I'm no longer in contact with. Um, he was um, he was my first boss when I worked for um, J.R. Parkington, um, which is Fine Wines and Spirits Company, and he was the UK or my head of sales. A guy called Kelvin Chantry. Um, we lost lost contact contact decades ago. But he, ha- he taught me about um, 
uh, a lot about self-belief, but more importantly, how an image and portraying yourself and what you do is, is as important uh, as how you do it. And um, he was um, immaculately dressed, immaculately turned out, no matter when you saw him. It was just fantastic, but a real, real hard worker. And I've been blessed to have people like that in my life. And my dad, um, God bless him, is long gone now, um, but a really hard worker, salesman. Um, and when I was young, he was doing three jobs, um, a salesman um, during the day. He was a professional singer at night times and um, in the evenings. Um, and um, at the weekend, he used to go what they used to call on the knock um, debt collecting, you know, um, around the pit villages in the northeast, mm. um, basically selling people stuff and going back each week and getting sixpence or threepence um, to, you know, on, on the credit. So in terms of work ethic, that's I got it from my dad and I think Calvin helped me uh, and you know, I could go on. There's another guy, Anders Malmfeldt at Levi's, who was brilliant, who really taught me a lot. But yeah, I've always been fortunate to have very, very strong um, business influences. Mm, good figures, good figures. That sounds mm. good. Um, okay, brilliant. When you are nearing the end of your life, what will you? What will matter to you the most? Do you think? Um, if I've made a difference. Yeah, if I've made a difference, um, I'm blessed with a lovely family. Um, but it's all about when I started this, um, this was, as I said, it, originally it was just going to be a bit of a retirement plan. But then you realize what a difference this technology could make. Mm. And when we started off, it was. I remember um, talking to a guy in the village pub. He said, are you still doing your jeans, Dave? Are you still work for Levi's? I said, no, no, that was a long time ago. I said, launched a range of water bottles with filters in. What? <laughs> and I said, yeah, I'm trying to stop all this single-use plastic. And single-use plastic? You must be bloody mad. He said, you'd be bankrupt. And I saw him probably about two years later. Um, he used to live very close by and he got divorced and he moved away and he'd come back to see his kids. And he said, hey, Dave, how are you doing? I said, great. He said, listen, I'm up for the weekend. He said, just been to the gym, go in the car, go and pick the kids up from school. And they have just screamed at me for all the single-use plastic water bottles in the back of my car because when I'm at the gym, I just drink a bottle, throw it in the back yeah. of the car. And they were saying about, you know, all the single-use plastic and it's all gone in our oceans. He said, and I remembered you, you know, I said, he said, how's it going? And I said, well, thank God for David Attenborough. I said, it's going a bit better now, you know. Yeah. Um, it's just, it was just, you know, awareness and that. But, um, yeah, um, so, yeah, just if, if we can make, as a team, if we can make a difference, if we can get the technology out there and all, you know, and one of the options we look at is that, you know, three, five years' time, if we're still privately financed like we are and we can't make it big enough to find somebody who I could sit down in a room and they can prove to me that they understand what we're trying to do mm. and who's got far, far deeper po pockets to get the funding for somebody else to, to, to move it to that next step. Because the difficult thing is, you know, taking a brand global is just, 
it's not a mountain to climb it's, it's, it's a mountain to crawl up you know but um yeah i mean that would be the key thing the one thing i'd rest happy with would, would be uh, being in a position where we we can and we have made a difference mm. and um yeah that would be important to me that would be something i'll be happy with um you know waving goodbye and off i go uh, type of thing i love that i really really love that this this i feel very inspired by that i have to be honest Um, okay question number eight is uh what is your favorite food a slightly different question (laughs) favorite favorite um i love and again this is going to put off a lot of a lot of your listeners i love a good steak yeah Uh, i don't have it very often anymore um uh, and, and a steak with salad, especially if, if I've managed to keep the slugs and snails of some of the salad <laughs> leaves in the garden, followed by a nice vanilla ice cream. Oh, Look at that. That, that, that. Yeah, the taste buds are going already. Yeah. You know what uh, you like. <laughs> I do, yeah. That's it. Very, very simple, lad. You know, that would, uh, yeah, if, if, yeah, if, if I was on my own and I had to prepare something, I love cooking, but if I had to prepare something, that, that's probably what that's my what go-to meal. That would, nice that would one. Keep me relaxed on my evenings. <laughs> Good. Um, what is your favourite outdoor space? Favourite outdoor space? Beach. Uh, yeah. I love, I mean, coming from Sunderland, um, we used to go and walk along all the cliff tops. And, you know, people think of Sunderland as like coal mining and um, shipbuilding. But we've got some stunning, absolutely stunning um, coastline up there. And when I learned to drive, um, my best favorite thing was there was a place uh, still there marsden grotto and there were some cliffs overlooking marsden grotto was like a, a big restaurant pub place but you could park up and whether when the weather was bad and it was pouring down with rain and howling a gale parking up there and just seeing the spectacle of, of the sea and the bad weather and that and funny enough when dad passed away i stayed in a hotel not far from there we had exactly the same weather that night, um, having a steak um, at the the Roca Hotel, um, um, with looking out the window, and it was it wasn't dark; it was like grey. Yeah, it was like a um, an old fashioned movie, and uh, but it was just perfect, absolutely gorgeous, yeah. freezing cold, long a gale, <laughs> but yeah, just um, outdoor space. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's why I think working with people like um, Incredible Oceans, as we do, um, um, they're a, a not-for-profit, and that's, their whole remit is education on what we're doing to the, to the oceans. Mm. And when you look out uh, you know, and see what a beautiful thing that is, you know, everybody thinks of the oceans being beautiful, it's nice and sunny, I think of it when it's crashing. I mean, it was more <laughs> often say, crashing. Slightly different perspective. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was more often crashing down with rain in Sunderland than in bright and sunny. You know, we we had summer. It was 1959. Lasted for a day and a half. Um, but no, <laughs> that's that's how I think about the oceans, and that's why you know just go out. Um, that's my favourite bit. Mm. I love I love I love going out. Just walking uh, where we are now. We've got some beautiful woods and forests. I'm not uh, far from the newly planted Hartwood Forest, which okay. we uh, go and walk there, mm. which is lovely. 
Nice. So a selection of places, but certainly where you can witness the spectacle of nature. I like that. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So we've got our final question. Question number 10. Are there any catchphrases or mantras that you live your life by? Uh, There's one, but it's a sales one, so I won't do that one. (laughs) Um, Yeah, work smarter, not harder. Um, That was and is at Levi's. um, Because, you know, he was always saying, I've got a fantastic team around me. And he said, but they're smart people. They don't need to work hard. They work smart. And... um, he, he was he was very influential, um, but yeah, work smarter, not harder. Um, you know, we all um, tend to work and we work. You, know, you apply yourself as much as you can, but sometimes, and I find it very beneficial to take a step back at times and just try to identify if what I'm doing and how I'm doing it is going to get me to where I want. Um, at the pace I want as I say I'm not very patient so I'm always looking not looking for shortcuts but looking at getting the end result by just being a bit more clever but for a lad from Sunderland that's difficult you know, so. <laughs> come on <laughs> <laughs> I think you've achieved enough for us to know that's not quite true <laughs> well no no I, 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 the other thing is I always surround myself with very clever people yeah. Always, yeah. I mean, I've got um, some very clever people working with me at Water to Go, um, and I've got some very clever consultants who, who I can go and talk to if I need to. Brilliant. Um, um, and that 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 helps. Yeah. But the the man, one mantra, yeah, probably work smarter, not harder. I like that. I'm officially taking that on board, and we'll try Great. and live by that at some We're, somehow. Welcome to the club. <laughs> Oh no, Dave! It's been it's been so good chatting with you today. I want to thank, thank you for your time to dive into these quite difficult subjects as well. Um, I feel like it's been insightful and educational and inspiring, and I good. you know I really hope that listeners are keen to go and have a look at the website and get themselves a bottle for their adventures or gym time or wherever they are, whatever they're doing. Yeah, so I mean, I would just say I don't, I don't mind if it's not our bottle. Just take that thought process on. Mm. And just you know, if you know. Um, as I say, this is not about us getting, you know, pockets lined. Uh, it's just changing people's nice. way of thinking. So, uh, well, I've really enjoyed it. It wasn't Good. as quite as nerve wracking when you when, when you mentioned ten quick fire questions. Like, oh my god, <laughs> it hasn't been too bad at all. You, you did good. Lo- you did good. You've, you've been a lovely host. Thank you. Brilliant. Well, thank you, Dave. I appreciate it, and we'll um, we'll keep in touch. Okay. Okay, promise. I'll get you those bottles out for you for your cycling trip. Brilliant. Thank you. Look out yourself. Take care. Cheers. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening, folks. I hope you've come away feeling inspired and armed to assess the role of single-use plastics in your life and empowered to take a stand towards a more sustainable future for our generation and the next. Don't forget, if you'd like to connect with like-minded folk on a mission to create lasting change across the globe, do join our community via patreon.com forward slash spend more time in the wild. So I will see you next time. And until then, stay wild.